Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message will be both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. If you missed this service, we hope to see you this Sunday at either 8.45 a.m. for our praise and worship service or 11 a.m. for our traditional service. Now, here's this week's message. My, my family and I are very, very thankful uh, to be at this church. We are grateful for all that you have, uh, have done for me and my family already. You have done uh, a, a tremendous amount. I can't tell you how much, actually, and how much it's meant to us. And uh, if those of you may not know, my name is Gary uh, McCrary. I am the, the, the next generation pastor. And Pastor Brian asked me to, uh, to, to, to speak today, but he just said, you can speak on anything you want, but it is the week before Thanksgiving. So I assume that meant he wanted a Thanksgiving message is what I assume that meant. Uh, I, I'm starting to learn that he is a, a man of nuance. He just kind of throws it out there and you're supposed to read between the lines and that's what you're supposed to do. And so I'm figuring that out as I, as I go. And uh, so we, today we are going to focus a little bit on Thanksgiving, but maybe on the other side of it. Uh, uh, there, there's another side to this I want to look at today because it is, it is something we need to see. Um, Thanksgiving, thankfulness. It, it's something that we, it almost seems innate in us to do this. Like my, I don't remember my parents uh, giving me the advice to, like, when you have children, I want you to make sure they're thankful. There's something innate in me that makes me want to make my children thankful. So that when, when somebody hands my son something, that person that handed them something, me and him, they know they're supposed to say thank you. Thank you. But usually the words right out of my mouth are, what do you say? Now what do you say? Now what do you say? Usually followed by some form of light head what do you say? Come on, buddy. And so he's learning. It's, there's something innate in me that makes me want to, 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 to make him do that, to, 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 to make him be thankful for the things that he's given or things that people do for him. My little one, Henry, he's one. And right now, man, he's in a sweet spot because he is thanking for everything. Anything you hand him, man, he is thank you, thank you. Thank you. The other day we were, we were uh, uh, watching a movie and I had made popcorn, and I was giving him the little tiny kernels that he could handle. And I, every kernel I gave him, thank you, thank you, thank you, every kernel. He's got it. The, the, the other one, it, it's not last. We have a three-year-old. We know the thankfulness does not last. And so it, it is where we are going today. It is, uh, it is innate in us. I think that God put that in us. It's a residual from the fall. When they, this was how Adam and Eve were before the fall. They were automatically thankful automatically grateful for all the Lord had done for them, for all that he had given them, for the place that he had put them. And I think that it is still part of who we are. We know that thankfulness is right. Yet, here we are, struggling with it. We are hardwired to be thankful, but we struggle. Let me say it another way. Biblically, having a spirit of unthankfulness. If you're a teacher, I don't know if that's actually a word. Unthankful. It, usually there's a little, a little squiggly line on my computer. When I write unthankful, there's a little squiggly line underneath it telling me that I've done something wrong. Usually I, I right-click and hit ignore. 
I said exactly how I want to say it. Leave me alone. Unthankfulness. Having a spirit of unthankfulness is one of the characteristics of a person that does not know Jesus or at least is not following him. I'll say it one more time. Biblically, having a spirit of unthankfulness is one of the characteristics of a person who does not know Jesus or at least is not following him. Let me show you in a couple different places. If you want to park in your Bible, you can go to Exodus chapter 16 so that you're there when we start to, to hit our stride. Exodus chapter 16 is where you can be. I'm going to show you biblically what I mean by this statement, that it is one of the characteristics of a person that does not know Jesus. Paul pointed to this fact that unthankfulness marks a lost person, and he did it fairly frequently. Uh, Paul was a lister. I don't know how many of you write lists. My wife is a lister. There's lists all over our house, lists of things she needs to get done, lists of things she needs to do, lists of things she needs to buy. There's lists. Paul was the same way. He would, he would be a kindred spirit there. Uh, uh, he wrote lists, and often in these lists, he would, he would mark this. In one key place is Romans chapter 1. He is going down really humanity and why humanity needs the gospel. If you've not read Romans chapter 1 in a long time, you need to hit that one. It's, it's pretty profound because it mirrors our society, really. It mirrors who we are. Same patterns, same things. And he says this, in the middle of all of that, in Romans chapter 1, he is talking to them about really the need of the gospel. And he says this, for although they knew God, which is also innate in us, we automatically seek deity, however that may look, in different societies. I've been a few places around the world and Everybody has their things. In fact, they tend to be a little bit more religious than we do here in this country. They're always seeking deity. That's a very human thing to do. God put that in us, the Bible says. So although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God. And here's what Paul says. This is weird. Nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their heart, their foolish hearts were darkened. They did not give thanks to him, and they, they became futile, or what that word means is sort of inward-focused, kind of an inward look at themselves. They became all about themselves. He'll go on to say that they worship the creator, or the creation, more than the creator. That's, what, that's the, natural trans, uh, the, the natural path of things. Once you become unthankful, you start to worship you because you're always wanting more, always wanting more, always wanting more. He's going to go there. This reference that Paul has in mind there is for a person that does not know Christ. He says, they're unthankful. They didn't even thank God. Can you believe that? That's what he expected the readers to think. What? They wouldn't be thankful to God? That's the response he was looking for. He says it again when he's warning Timothy. Timothy was his... His, his student, his pupil, his mentee, however you want to look at that, this was the, his, 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 his guy. And he's writing him these personal letters about how to pastor and what, what to look out for, what to watch out for, what to be careful with. And he says this, and I want you to listen up for this list. It's a list. It's a Paul list. He says this, but mark this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive. This one's always interesting to me, disobedient to parents. Like that's, a, that's, an, that's an abomination to Paul. Like you can't believe people would actually be disobedient to their parents. Boy, I can't wait till my kids can read. Right after that though, right after disobedient to parents, he uses a word. He says ungrateful. Look, look at that word. That word is with some very awful things. Abusive, proud, boastful. Ready? He keeps going. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but uh, denying its power. And this is his, this is his uh, uh, opinion or his recommendation to Timothy. Ready? The last verse, have nothing to do with such people. Don't be around them. They are like this. Don't be around them. That word ungrateful is translated unthankful in other versions. And it's a pretty sobering thing. And so I guess our main point is this, that unthankfulness, unthankfulness has no place in the Christian life. Unthankfulness has no place in the Christian life. And man, do I know how hard that hits. Because I am unthankful a lot of the times. I struggle with it. It is so frequent that, that, I, that I struggle, that I, I leave somewhere and I think, did I even say thank you? Did I even act like I cared? Did I even act like I, I was grateful for what they gave me? I, my mom, she is the exact opposite. My mom is the kind of lady who will send you a thank you card for sending her a thank you card. That's who she is. It must skip a generation because I am not like that. I struggle with this. I struggle. It happened to me the other day. I was picking up my kids who go to level daycare. They go just a couple days a week, and I was picking them up, and I just grabbed up Henry, which we call Hurricane Henry. And when I walk in the room, when I walk in the house or whatever, if I've been gone, Kayla will just say, it's a category three. Or it's a category five. And I can usually tell by the house if it's a category five. And so, but it, she'll just tell me, it's, it's, it, this one's, he's got, he's got a lot of life to him today. So I walked into Lovell and I said, I, I just picked up my kids, took them, and I left. I left. I did not even say thank you for, to these awesome ladies who have watched my kids for eight hours. It's like babysitting terrorists, and they've watched them for, for eight hours they've done this. And so I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I walk out, so I pop back in. I went out to the car, buckled them in. I just ran back in real quick, and I, I just I popped in. And I said, I, "I, you know, I'm so sorry. I wanted to thank you." And she said, "For what?" Because I had let so much time go by, she couldn't even make the connection. And so I, 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 I didn't say thank you. So, so if you have anything to do with Lovell, thank you. Thank you. It's a great ministry. We, we, we love my kids. Love it there. Thank you so much. And here we sit unthankful for much of what we have, unthankful for the things that we have. We're, we're, we're always wanting more. I was on a plane t- 
to Dallas one time. It was, it's been a few years because they didn't have Wi-Fi. Like Wi-Fi was kind of a new thing on planes. And American Airlines is the only thing that flies into my hometown. Otherwise, I wouldn't care if it burned to the ground because it is a very difficult airline to fly. And so I, I, I was on this flight and they said, uh, hey, you guess what? You get free Wi-Fi on this flight. And they're trying to get us hooked, right? And so like, I, oh, I'm like, whoa, that's cool. Free Wi-Fi on the plane, that's neat. And so the dude next to me was beside himself. He didn't even know such things existed. He was so excited. He got on his phone, was trying to get on. And it, I couldn't get on either, couldn't figure it out. I thought maybe there was something special he had to do. And, and we're kind of going back and forth. And all of a sudden the announcement came up and said, sorry, it's, something's broken because it's American Airlines. And, and, and so it, it, something's broken and it, uh, we're not going to be able to, to have it. And the dude next to me was livid. Dude didn't know it existed two minutes ago. And he feels entitled to it now. That, this is who we are. Zay. I'm no different than him. It's who we are as people. We, are, we, are, we just tend to be unthankful. It's not a new problem. It's an old one. It's been around for a long time. We see this struggle in the people of Israel, God's people. We see it in the Old Testament, in, especially in Exodus uh, chapter 16. Uh, Paul uses these people of Israel. He uses them a lot, actually. And actually he says, he says this to the Corinthians he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6, he says, Now these things occurred as examples, here's why, to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So it's good to look at the, it's good to look at the Old Testament, if for no other reason than to see you and to see me. It's a mirror. They're no different. These aren't rotten people. These are just people. Just people. So Exodus chapter 16, some of you know this story very well. Um, uh, it's good to rehearse it anyway. You know it. Uh, where our story kind of takes place is the, the children of Israel have left Egypt where they were slaves. Slaves. And God used Moses to get them out of there uh, with some very amazing miracles that involve some nasty plagues. And God showed his power. And he softened Pharaoh's heart who's the king of Egypt, and Pharaoh finally let them go. And they, they march across, and they march the, the Red Sea, which is a large uh, thing, it, 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 body of water. It splits, and they walk across on dry. It's crazy things that are happening here. Nuts. Things that my eyes have never seen. I've seen some neat things, but my eyes haven't seen this kind of stuff. Amazing things. And these people saw it over and over and over. But things have shifted a little bit in our hearts when we pick up our story, which is not very far from that. Things have shifted a little bit where we're headed now, they're out in the open, they're in a desert, they are not very happy about being there, and uh, we're talking about a large amount of people. This is a large amount of people, ex-slaves, and their attitudes start to change. Chapter 16 of Exodus, if you would, verse 1 says this, the whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community, mark some of these words that the Bible uses. God doesn't waste words. 
whole community grumbled against Moses and against Aaron. The Israelites said to themselves, if only we had died in the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. And you have brought us to this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Let's look at this real quick. We're going to look at this. We're going to use these people as our examples so that we know how not to set our hearts. We can, we can be warned against this. We don't want to set our hearts on evil things as they did. And so I want to look at this from an unthankful standpoint because their unthankful attitude shows us a couple of things. The first thing it shows us is this. An unthankful attitude results in whining. That's the, that's the, that's the nicest way I can put it. It results in whining. They whined. They whined. Look at what they said. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in the Lord's hand in Egypt. We sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us to this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Yeah, that's what I did. I, I tend to be a little sarcastic, so I followed Moses. I was like, yeah, that's exactly my plan. I want to just come out here and starve. That's awesome. First thing I want to look at, when we look at unthankfulness, unthankfulness, it does a few things. Number, number one thing, whining or unthankfulness, it, it spreads. It says the whole community, it spreads. This kind of attitude is toxic. It is our nature, it is our nature to tend to be more negative than positive. This is why negative people bother us. I mean, positive people bother us. I got a dude in my life that is extremely positive, and it drives me crazy. I need him, but it drives me crazy. You can see this clearly in uh, election campaigns. They never tell you how great things are. What do they always tell you? How awful it is. Depending on what channel you watch, it's how awful it is. Nobody's ever telling you how good it is. It's always how awful it is. This is how you, this is how you get the mob. Tell them how awful it is. Tell them how awful things are going to be because people relate better to the struggle. And so this is where we go. And the problem is, is that this is the furthest thing from glorifying God that there is. But it spreads. It spreads in churches. Not this one, but churches far, far away. It spreads. The second thing we see is it blames. It blames. Look at what they said. The people grumbled against who? Moses and Aaron. They shifted on the guys that, that took the leadership and got them out of being slaves. These people followed these two men out willingly. Nobody was putting, I was going to say a gun to their head, but spears to their head, uh, arrows, whatever. Whatever to their head. They did it willingly because they saw great things. Yet when they feel like they're not getting what they deserve, they turn on the people that they feel are responsible for that problem. This is what whining eventually turns into. It blames other people for our problems. It blames other people. It, 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 
it can't be us. I'm just a victim in this. I'm just a guy floating around in life and not culpable for my own actions. They followed him willingly, Moses and Aaron. And yet there they were, struggling. Whether it be sports or school or, or work or life, oftentimes we would rather blame than make excuses uh, than, or, and make excuses than find a solution. That, 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 that's, that's what happens to, to us. My, my, my sons are that way. Lewis has now figured out, Henry talks a little bit, he says words, but Lewis has figured out that he can blame him for just about anything as a good try-to-get-out-of-trouble card. It doesn't work, but it, it, he tries. Why? did I, I didn't sit him down and teach him, like, you know you got a little brother, and you know what would be awesome? is to blame him for everything. Like, I didn't teach him that. That was in him. That's fallenness. I had a pastor that called kids, affectionately, little transgressors. Uh, they just naturally do these things. And then this is exactly what he was doing, blaming. These people blame. It doesn't get any better when they're older. Surely you know somebody who blames other people for their problems. I've got a few in my family. The last thing we see is it, it forgets. It spreads. It blames. It forgets. The children of Israel forgot one very important thing. They say, we would rather die in Egypt where we had it good. Oh, we had pots of meat and bread till we could just, uh, we were just full all the time. You were slaves. You were slaves. They were seen as little better than dogs in the Egyptian culture. And yet, this is what they want to go back to. Because it forgets, man. Unthankfulness causes you just to forget what it was really like. And you create this whole separate reality. This whole separate thing. And oftentimes we like to glorify what was. Because sometimes it's easier to, it's, it's easier to do that than to forge ahead to something new. We like to, to glorify what was. Whining comes from a heart that doesn't want to see a new future. They whine. And it causes them to spread. It causes them to blame. And it causes them to forget. But Moses pleads with God, and God does something very interesting. He does something very interesting. Let's look at verses 4 through 8, and we're done. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. That's why he's doing this, because of Moses. The people are to go out each day, gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron tell all the Israelites, or said to all the Israelites, in the evening you will go out, or in the evening you will, you will know that the Lord who has brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against, ready? Him. 
Bible tells us they felt like it was against Moses and Aaron. God says it's not. It's against him. Who are we that we should grumble against the Lord, Moses said. You will know that, there is a lo- that uh, it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Second thing I want you to know is all unthankfulness is really against the Lord. It's really against the Lord. God addresses the issue, and in his mercy, he decides to give them food. The only reason he decides to give them food is because of Moses. So don't ever stray too far from that godly person in your life. That's free. Don't ever stray too far from that godly person, because this is the reason God gave them grace. The only reason God gives us grace is because of Jesus. This is the same picture we're looking at here. He doesn't give them too much, and he doesn't give them too little. He gives them the perfect amount each day. God was not going to spoil them because obviously they don't do well with blessing. So God was trying to teach his people a couple of lessons here. The first lesson he's trying to teach them is this, is that having stuff is not a right. Having blessings is not a right. God wanted to teach them this. It's not the right of all human beings. Sometimes we think it is, but it's not, because we're kind of hoarders by nature. This was not some rotten group of people that were just wandering around in the wilderness. They were normal human beings like you and like me. And yet here they were, grumbling against the Lord, and the Lord says, I'm not falling for it. There's a story that Jesus tells. Jesus always told a story when he was trying to make a very good point. He wanted to make sure you got it. He told this story in Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 15. He says this, he says, then he said to them, watch out. It's important when Jesus says that, right? Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. That's the whole point he's trying to get you to understand. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That's the point. Making sure you get that point, he gives us a story. He told them a parable, and he said that the the ground of a certain rich man, man who's already rich, yielded an abundant harvest. And the rich man, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all my crops. Wish I had that problem, right? Like my bank account is too full, they won't let me put any more money in it. I'm going to have to do something. What a problem I'm having. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? That's a rhetorical question because you know the answer, not him. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Stuff is not the most important thing in life because life is uncertain. It's uncertain. 
Yet, when I get extra, my natural tendency is to think it's just for me. And I, I just make more room in life for it. Or, or I build, metaphorically, a bigger barn. What this man didn't know was he wasn't going to have this stuff very long because he was going to die and his stuff was going to go to other people. It wasn't his stuff at all. We grumble against the Lord. Here's why. Because everything you have is the Lord's. We're just stewards of it. My kids, I try to give them stuff. And when they grumble, they're not grumbling against me. When they say, I don't want that, or I want this, or I want something better than this, or, or whatever. They're not grumbling against me because the only reason I have anything to give them is because the Lord has blessed me with something to give them. So what little Lewis doesn't understand is that he's not grumbling against his dad. He's grumbling against the Lord Almighty. That's a heavy thought. This is why Jesus told a story so that they would understand because this man lost everything he had. It went to somebody else anyway. These people were, were struggling with greed in their lives. And this is the second point. Not recognizing stuff is from God is greed. Point blank, that's what it is. These people were committing one of the most common sins known to man, and that is greed. Greed is not wanting more money or more stuff. Greed is realizing that all you have is, or not realizing that all you have is from God. That's what greed is. That you do not realize that everything you have is from God. The only reason I have my house is because God allowed that to happen for me. The only reason I have my car is because God allowed that to happen to me. And Lord knows the only reason I've got somebody like Kayla in my life is because the Lord did that. In 2008, we found out how easy it is to lose stuff in this country. In 2008, man, it crashed hard. And a lot of people went in a bad way and had to make some hard decisions for their life. And yet here we are a decade later, a little more. So what? Like it's not going to happen again. Like we're not afraid of this happening again. God was merciful to them. He has been merciful to us. Not to build bigger barns. But to give more. This is why God gives us stuff. When we, when we run across a homeless problem, we run across a, 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 a needy problem, and we grumble to the Lord, why is he not helping these people? I think the Lord is saying, I have, man, it's you. Collectively, other people, whatever, they have money to help. They have ways to help. This is an important thing because what God chose to do with these people because they didn't get that he chose to strip it all away and he gave them just enough to live their life just enough not too much and not too little and everybody got the same amount and he says I'm testing them to see if they get it sometimes the hard times we fall under I feel like 
are self-inflicted. And God is teaching us a lesson by not giving us too much and not giving us too little, but just right there in the, in the tension until I can get it. Today, as we approach Thanksgiving, we need to do a full life inventory about all that God has given to us. No matter what our life looks like, our response to it is to be thankfulness. If you are a Christian, you are to be thankful. Paul teaches us this, uh, especially in the response verbally in a prayer. Uh, in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, he says this. He says, do not be anxious about, anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you see that statement in every situation? He says, I'm to pray. Not just tell God what I'm going through. That's okay to do that. But here's what he says to do it first. You see, it? You see the order of things there? He wants you to pray, but here's how you want to pray. With thanksgiving, present that I am thankful for whatever you're going to decide to do here, God, I am thankful for it. Approach him with thanksgiving first. And he says, if you get that, if you understand that you're going to approach God with thanksgiving first and then request, here's what he says he'll do. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, because sometimes we may sit here and think, you don't know what kind of hard time I'm going through, Gary, and I probably don't. But he says, it will transcend all understanding. And he says, this is what will happen. He will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guard your hearts and minds against what? Unthankfulness. Unthankfulness. Over time, the children of Israel learned their lesson. And when God wanted to do a work amongst them again, about 20 chapters later, he wanted to build a tabernacle where his presence would reside. And he says this in, in, in Exodus chapter 36. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, ready? These, it was a rotten group of people we've been looking at, rotten. The people are bringing more than enough for the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people, ready? The people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Have you ever heard of people being restrained from giving? Illustration. That fostering hope would call us and be like, dude, you guys need to chill out with the giving of stuff. We have more than enough. It's overflowing here. Stop. Stop being so generous. Stop being like that. It's, it's, it's too much. You're flooding us out. 
That, that's what we're talking about here. This, this is the response to God. Because God gives lavishly in his gospel to my life in not remembering my sin, which is egregious. I am to respond in this life the same way to other people, to other situations, with thankfulness for all that God has done for me. And that kind of thankfulness comes out in the outpouring of, of what do you need? These people responded exactly how they should have. They learned their lesson in the desert. I don't know how many of you are in the desert right now. Man, I plead, do you learn your lesson? I need to learn my lesson. I have been in a desert for a while, and I need to learn that lesson. That God has given me so much, and I am to respond with thankfulness. If you wouldn't mind to stand, I'm gonna pray. Father, we're so grateful for your great grace in our lives. Lord, we need it. We're so thankful for all that you do for us, so thankful for all that you would give us. It's mind-blowing. We sit and start to take inventory of everything you've given us. Wow. Even the place we stand today is beautiful. These windows, and the way the light comes in, it just feels like your glory is all around. And we can sing to that, Lord. We can sing loudly to that. We're so grateful for all that you've given us. I pray that every, every person in here is better than me, that they respond to you with a heart of thankfulness. Lord, if there's anybody who isn't like that, I pray that they would take a moment, whether it's at their seat or, man, they can come forward if they want to, if they want to come forward, if they need help, that they would be thankful for what you've given them. Unthankfulness is a very non-Christian posture. Help us to respond properly to all the things you've given us. We love you and thank you for everything you do for us. In your son's precious and holy name, amen. If you wouldn't mind to keep your heads bowed, we're gonna, we're just gonna enter a time real quick. The, the worship team's gonna help us in, in praising uh, a little bit. Please consider the words that we've looked at in scripture today about being thankful. You're entering a season that is supposed to be very thankful. Start today. Look at those things.